Artemis endeavors to get more women in the field and on the water, to support women as leaders in the conservation movement, to ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. Welcome to the Artemis Podcast. I am your host, Carly Kutnick, and my co-host today is Morgan Harrell. How are you, Morgan? Good morning. How are you? Great, great, great. Um, Our guest today is a very special guest, uh, Ashley Chance. Welcome to the Artemis Podcast. How's it going? It's going. I'm glad to be here as a guest for the first and probably last time. I heard it was very comforting to me to hear Morgan's hello because it was like the Southern, how you? (laughs) How's your mom and them? Yes, your mom and them. Well, this is this is a bittersweet podcast for it for it to be Ashley's first and last time. Well, first time as as guest, maybe hopefully not the last time. I guess it's technically my second time because when I started, similar to Carly, I um, did an episode. But yeah, I'm excited to send you send you off on a on a high note with this episode. So I think we should get started with what is in your freezer, Ashley. <clears throat> oh my gosh, this is a great question. I'll tell you one thing that's not in my freezer that I'm really kind of bummed about. Um, gizzards, liver, heart, and carcass of the two turkeys that my husband killed while Charlie and I were visiting my parents last week, maybe the week before. He killed two turkeys in three mornings, and really he probably could have done it in two mornings. Um, and he didn't save them. I was like, <laughs> So he ate, he ate all of them or he just didn't save those parts? Yeah, we've got the turkey meat. We're actually, there's a breast in the fridge that we're going to eat probably tomorrow night. Um, but yeah, no carcass. So I can't make stock and none of the innards, which is kind of a bummer. Um, I'm I'm assuming he got a good talking to, right? He did. Yeah. And it was kind of like a product of him working like a crazy person and then living the bachelor life while I wasn't here to like be peeking over his shoulder. He's not wasteful anyway. Like he's always been on board with saving things like duck tongues and maybe not on board. He accepts that I want to save those things. He will humor you. Yes, and utilize them. Mine does the same thing. Um, But if I'm not around, yeah, I think he was a little tight on time and so sacrifice those things. Anyway, turkey stuff is in there. Um, We still have some grouse from the hunt we went on in October up to Minnesota. Um, Also a snow goose from that hunt. Um, My husband went to Kansas in January, so we've got some bobwhite quail. We've got various duck parts. Um, I still have the hide from the buck that I shot at the last day of muzzleloader season um, this past season. I got the skull, the Euro mount back from the taxidermist like a month ago, and I am meaning to send the hide off to a tannery because I want it to actually be like real good buckskin that I can make footwear out of. Um, But it's still just a frozen bundle (laughs) in the freezer. Um, there's some fish, some crappie, and, oh, obviously a lot of venison. Um, there's some ice cream bars, randomly, got those at the store the other day. (laughs) Ice cream sandwiches. Yeah, ice cream sandwiches. Um, and there's some beef that my dad gave us, not a lot, but, um, smidge here and there. And we didn't get, we don't have any sausage, um. There were no hogs that made their way into our freezer this year. I think that's it. I'm sure I'm missing some stuff, but it's full right now, which is a great feeling. I'm jealous. I'm very jealous. I pulled some elk out last night to 
cook for dinner and then I went over to a friend's house for dinner. So that's fine. <laughs> what I want to know about though, Morgan, have you had duck tongue before? Not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually I mean, I'd be oh. willing to try it. I mean, that's that is something right up my alley that I would. I have n- I've never harvested enough duck that that warranted. Yeah. You know, if I get if I get to go once or twice a year, I'm a happy girl. Um, and so that would mean, you know, three or you know, if if I if I went around and t- took all the the duck tongues out of the cleaning shed, <clears throat> you know, went to went to a place that I could do that, maybe I would have enough to cook. But are they good, Ashley? Yeah. Okay. So I'll preface with Hank Shaw has a like crispy fried, it's an appetizer, um, crispy fried duck tongue, something like that, um, that I've wanted to make forever and never actually have. Actually, I think maybe we tried it one time, but you need a lot of tongues. It's like what Morgan was saying, because you know, ducks are tiny, their tongues are even smaller. Um, so anymore, if we would just have, you know, like six ducks or something, I'll save the tongues and, um, just put them in, the stock pot with feet and things of that nature for collagen and flavor. Yeah, I definitely nice. did the feet last time. I made duck and goose stock and um, got a lot of um, funny, funny talks, funny, funny looks. As, as my, I had some family and friends over that day, and they're like, "Excuse me, what is in your pot?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, there's, you know, you don't." think twice about when I put a pig's foot in there and let me right. tell you how nasty those are but yeah. I'll buy it from the butcher and so people like <laughs> assume that they're better I'm like well I just scrubbed this duck's foot so it's it's fine it's fine it's all good and it did add a lot of collagen I feel like it did add a lot more um kind of heft to the to the stock Charlie lately has been saying a lot of things but one of her lines that she'll say now is tay good which is tastes good and so my husband and I'll just toss around tay good <laughs> Morgan that made me think of that when you describe people peering into your pot and seeing goose feet yeah just not sure about what's just going on in there but once I get them to taste it they're like okay whatever it's it's good yeah it's good I'll use it so I think um, Jody Dixon in Alaska, she, when we did a cooking um, podcast or uh, I guess happy hour for um, Artemis, she did a moose tongue. Mm, I love tongue. She pickled it. I am a tongue fanatic. I mean, duck tongues are like a different category because they've got a little bone or something in them, but in a lot of, a lot of texture, different texture, but like mammal tongues. Yes. Tongue tacos. I mean, any, it's so good. I'm a tongue evangelist. Okay. <laughs> That, that sentence needs Love some it. context for that. Yeah, um, yes, I agree. But you it's know, true. speaking, um, Carly, I was thinking, speaking of Jody Dixon, I have a message from her I may want to share. You mind if I did that? I would love that. Hold on just a second. Ashley, you've been so great to work with. I've always felt like I was welcome to reach out to you with anything. And I just wish you so much success in all your coming adventures and endeavors. Take care. That was from Jody Dixon, um, Alaska ambassador. That was dirty, Morgan. You just snuck that right in there when I was feeling fine. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> we have a lot. Of, we have a couple more of those. I'm so. sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so since uh, we have ambassadors that are willing to tell us about you, we would love to hear uh, some self reflections. Tell us about yourself. Oh my gosh! I I mean I feel like. Everyone who listens to this podcast already knows the high points of my self-description. I remember, let's see, when was this? 
was it a year ago, September, when we had the Handled by Her event here in Tennessee, uh, Kendall Wynn was there. I'd never met her before, but she was one of the instructors and I was just sitting in a camp chair talking to her and she's like, oh, you're Ashley. She's like, yeah, I feel like I know you because I listened to the podcast. And it was the weirdest moment for me of like pseudo celebrity dumb. (laughs) This is what it feels like when you talk out into the ether and people listen to it and you chat about yourself and then yeah I don't know it's it's very strange to me to think about people out there that I've never met knowing details about me not in like a bad way really but anyway that made me think about that um about myself I guess maybe I can talk about some parts of myself that I haven't really shared very much of in this space previously um one of the big ones would be that I am a horse person, horsewoman. Um, that's like a very, it's it's right up there in terms of how important hunting is to me. Um, being around horses and working with them. And yeah, it's like, I don't know, almost like a spiritual level for me. Um, so <clears throat> I had horses. I got my first horse when I was 13 saved up my own money, 450 bucks and bought her at an auction. Um, she didn't work out. Uh, but since that time I had horses on and off. Um, I took a horse with me to college and boarded it there and rode it regularly. That was like the way that I dealt with being in a dorm after growing up on a farm. Um, and he, I rode every day and he had beginning the beginnings of arthritis. So I sold him and bought a colt out of South Dakota, an unstarted two-year-old horse and trained it for the first time as a, I don't know, I guess I was 20, 20 at that time, uh, 1920. And it was a great horse for that experiment. Um, and I was, went slow, was really consistent. And I ended up selling him three years later when I graduated for three times the amount of money that I bought him for, cause he was an exceptional horse in his own right. But we just made so much progress in the time that we'd spent together. And since then, um, you know, there's been a lot of moments, a lot of times in my life when I haven't been able to own a horse, including right now, um, after my maternity leave was over, after I had Charlie, I sold the mare that I had at the time because I just didn't have time, um, to give her what she needed and what I wanted to give her. And so it was like a little sad period. Um, but last November I actually found some people, 35 minutes from where I live that are exceptional trainers and educators. And so I've been taking a weekly lesson, weekly riding lesson, um, since November. And it's just been, it's been magical. So, um, the horse side of me is explained there. Um, I also really quick, really quick on that note, uh, what style of writing do you do? What's the, and what are you getting out of these lessons? Oh, that's a great question. And why didn't I know this? I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I maybe, I don't know. I'm surprised I didn't mention it to you. Um, Morgan, my... did you know this? I knew she was into horses. I, I didn't I did too. realize to what extent though. I, I'm, I have to say, I'm like, I'm traumatized by the fact I, I'm not a horse person, but I'm traumatized by the fact that you have to like, let go of this pet to like get another one. Mm. Like that would like, I, I admire you for, for that. Like, that just seems like the different level of dedication to be like, ah, I can't have like 15 of them. So I'm going to have to trade one to get another. <laughs> well, a lot of people don't, um, <laughs> you do just collect them. Um, <clears throat> but they're expensive. So that helps the motivation. I think one of the things similar 
to a hunting dog. I've never owned and trained my own hunting dog. We, of course, as a family have a Springer Spaniel, but he's really my husband's dog. He's the one who trained him and I can handle him. I can go hunt with him, but he's not mine, mine. Um, but similar to that relationship, the relationship with a horse for me anyway, is it's a partnership. It's a true partnership. And so, you know, in the same way you have to say goodbye to partners in other aspects of life, be it work, maybe romantic relationships at, you know, different junctures. Um, you got to say goodbye at some point. Um, and, and knowing that they're going on to another experience, like the next opportunity, I think is key to moving through that for me anyway, but like a in, bad boyfriend, I'm digging it. Yeah. <laughs> well, not that they're always bad, but maybe like you just have grown in different directions. Um, but style of writing for me, I mean, I grew up writing what a lot of people would describe as Western, um, but I am not so much interested. Like all these lessons I've been taking have been in um, uh, English tack. So like dressage, um, things like that. Because for me, it's really like true horsemanship, horsewomanship um, is not like it's just a costume, whatever you're or like a tool that you're riding in or what you're wearing. Um, so I am do it all. I'm trying to do it all. I'm trying to learn it all. Um, and really get down to like the foundations of, I'm rambling now, but yeah. Uh, keep going, but (laughs) where are you going with, I mean, where are you going with your, uh, interest in horses and these lessons? Are you looking to do some competitions or actually show horses or yeah. What's your, what's the future look like there? That's a great question. I think as long as I have a young child, it's going to be pretty relaxed, but this is a lifelong pursuit for me. So until the day that I die, I hope that I'm in the saddle um, and I want to be progressing and learning more about the horse and about how I can be a good partner um, to them. I'm really particularly interested in uh, working cattle and other livestock horseback. Um, that kind of segues into my next bit about me, which is gardening, food production. Um, I come from an agricultural background. Morgan, you were going to say something. I was. I was just going to say that I know that you've talked about horses a lot with some of the other ambassadors. And actually, I have a message from Lisa Saylor, who is an Artemis ambassador in Tennessee. And I think she's also a horsewoman. Um, and so if I could, I'd just share a little message from her that Artemis has been so lucky to have Ashley for many reasons. She has truly been a heart to help others, and she is a great leader and highly educated. She speaks eloquently and is always approachable. She has made such a difference in my life personally. Being a part of Artemis is a dream for me, and Ashley was the first to believe in me and give me a chance. We quickly became friends and bonded over not just hunting, but horses, mom life, and nerding out over wildlife facts. I know we all wish her the very best in her next steps and hope she knows how much we will miss her. Thank you, Ashley, for making a difference in the lives of other women, wildlife, and the environment. And again, that's from Lisa in Artemis, uh, in Tennessee. Oh, I'm going to go ahead. And, I wish we had a camera so that we could see Ashley's face for <laughs> things. <laughs> like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, gosh, I'm going to start choking up. So. I mean, yeah, Lisa's amazing. Um, I, It's so funny to hear you read these because I feel like it's about someone else not that I don't like think that I've done a good job but all I can say all of the same things about Lisa and about Jody and that's I think one of the most beautiful things not to wax poetic but one of the best things about being a part of Artemis is that 
I really do feel like I got more than I gave in, in the form of, um, relationships with ambassadors. So I was going to talk about food. The other important thing about me, (laughs) um, I grew up on a farm, like I said, and actually when I was in the Peace Corps, I was tasked with, I was in the agriculture sector. I was an agriculture volunteer. Um, So I spent, initially I worked with cashew farmers um, in the middle western part of Ghana, the Brangahafo region, um, for those who might be familiar. And that was a crazy time for a lot of reasons, but I have memory, that's where I got Jasper. Uh, my dog. And I remember walking through the cashew farms. A lot of people don't know this. I didn't realize it, but uh, cashew nuts are actually, they grow on the very bottom, the end of a fruit, which is called a cashew apple. And it doesn't taste like an apple. Its texture's not like an apple. I guess it's a little bit shaped like an apple and they're yellow and red and shades in between. Um, And so this fruit has to be picked to get the nut, but it just ends up in like giant piles in the cashew woods because it spoils before you can really do anything with it. So Ganans call it like a bush snack. Um, so they'll eat it when they're out there farming or whatever, but it's not like a, a food like we would think about in our culture. Um, but there were a lot of evenings where I would go out with my dog to, to farm as they call it. Um, I would go into the cashew farms and I would just eat the apples (laughs) dinner and they're like a little bit astringent um and you have to get them when they're exactly ripe or it's like too much for your mouth um but when they're right they're so good and I really honed my ability (laughs) through these forest walks to understand just by looking um and maybe touching a cashew apple whether or not it was primed to eat and I feel like that was a really weird tangent but um after I was in that village for, I want to say like six-ish months, um, I had gone back to the capital on medical leave and I was talking to my supervisor about something and I mentioned that I was allergic to bees and I needed an EpiPen refill. I think that's what it was. And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you're allergic to bees? What happens? And I was like, I don't know, anaphylaxis? And he's like, what? You can't you can't, we can't get to you in time. Like if something happens, we cannot get you to medical care in time. Um, and of course I'm like walking through the woods where there's all this fruit and like bees all the time. And I was actually going to try to do some stuff with beekeeping. So anyway, uh, I had to go to a different community just by virtue of that fact. And so I was transferred after I spent, I guess it was like six weeks. Maybe it was longer. I spent some time just like camped out in, um, a big city, Kumasi, in the center of the country. And I was able to actually take some courses there on rabbit rearing and some really neat aquaculture stuff. Um, And I was able to bring that with me to my next community that I went to, um, which is in the Ashanti region, which is like right in the center. And it was close to that city, relatively close. So that was why I got placed there. And while I was there, I worked on... um, you know, I don't know, I guess in the piece where you're supposed to teach people things, but let's be real, you end up learning, um, learning from people and then kind of learning as you go. And so I started this like community rabbit 
farm where um, high school is not free in Ghana. So the middle school kids would farm rabbits and um, grass cutter, which are a native rodent that um, are a delicacy there, but are in short supply for various reasons. Um, So they would raise rabbits and grass cutter and sell them to pay for their high school fees, tuition. Um, I did that and some organic gardening, started a 4-H club, kind of like a bunch of food stuff. Um, and I haven't done much professionally with food, um, since that time, but I'm very, very interested in the intersectionality between, um, wildlife habitat. And I hate using habitat beyond the context of a species because it's an incorrect use of the term, but anyway, nerd alert, um, like the intersection between wildlife providing for wildlife and providing high quality food that augments the space for wildlife rather than detracts from it. Like a lot of conventional agriculture does today. So, uh, to bring all this back around, I feel like one day, this is a crazy scene that's not fully like fleshed out, but I think it would be so cool to be a part of something that was looking at, um, like how to produce, food, specifically meat, like from grazing animals, um, while promoting, uh, habitat for at-risk species like northern bobwhite or really just grassland birds in general, um, in the southeast and maybe doing it in like a way with horses to be like low stress livestock handling. I don't know. Um, that's that. (laughs) There's Ashley's utopia right there. Yeah. Basically. I love it. Well, are you planning on, go ahead, Morgan. I'll say she's hooking me up on the segues because I happen to have a recording here from Olivia Menard, our ambassador in Georgia, who happens to be a beekeeper. You're crushing it, Morgan. Hi, I'm Olivia Menard, the Artemis ambassador for Georgia. And I'd like to say that Ashley has been an incredible resource to me as I have experienced what it means to be an Artemis ambassador. When you talk to Ashley, you feel her thoughtful consideration and see that she understands where you're coming from. Seeing the woods or a restored grassland by Ashley's side is a special experience and one that I will enjoy being a part of as many times as she will let me. You may be leaving Artemis, Ashley, but the friends you've made will still be with you wherever you go. Best of luck, my friend. Oh, man. You are so loved. It's see, I have pushed this part of everything to the side so that I actually could leave. Um, because if I if I dwelled in <clears throat> in this stuff, I, I never would have been able to move on to anything else. And yeah, I don't know. I'm so I'm so thankful for the relationships, really, because it's like Olivia said, they're gonna transcend my professional affiliation with Artemis, which is just such a gift. And they're going to go on to the next thing too. Yeah. Um, I think you've made, you made friends that are going to be continue um, in the woods um, uh, for, uh, for time. You know, I know I'm on your hunt list, so that's, that's gonna, that's gonna happen as well, as well as, you know, all the gardening and all the other interests that you have. I think that's talking about Bob white quail and that next adventure you're going to have with the upland upland birds. I think it's going to be a kind of an interesting segue in your, uh, career from ungulates to, uh, or from whitetail, I guess, to, to birds. Yeah, for sure. 
Are we announcing that? This can be edited out. Are we announcing where you're going? No, yeah. I um, <clears throat> My new job is uh, with Pheasants and Quail Forever. I am going to be their hunting heritage program manager. Um, so it's a part of their R3 work is... Um, the hunting heritage program, which I feel like I'm doing a bad, bad job describing it, but it's a lot of what I did with Artemis really, um, except it'll expand beyond women. So it'll include everyone who's new or returning to hunting. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about that. That will be awesome. Um, I do have one. You miss it. You, again, you're hooking me up on the segues here because you mentioned your experience in, um, in Ghana with rabbits so you know where that's going to take me. <clears throat> yep. Yes, you do. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> hey, Ash, it's Mary. Just wanted to thank you for everything you've done for the Artemis program. You put your stamp on the community and made a big difference in a lot of women's lives. Uh, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss everything that you've done. Uh, of course, we'll be close together. You and I can catch up on some hunting trips um, that we haven't been able to do in the past. But uh, you're a great friend. And I really, really look forward to see what you're going to be able to do in your new adventures. That's Mary Lynn. He's in Tennessee, a good friend of Artemis, and I think a new Artemis ambassador, but is a avid uh, rabbit hunter. It was one of the first hunts that you did, I think, wasn't it, um, Ashley, with a um, with a woman? Yeah, I mean, honestly, so let me think about how this happened. So way back when I first started with Artemis, I got invited, uh, I think by the Archery Trade Association to be on a panel. It was like a three woman panel. I don't even know what we were talking about. Being a woman in hunting, I guess, (laughs) seems not novel to me anymore, which is a gift that Artemis has given me. But uh, Mary was one of the other people speaking on that panel. And she just followed up with me after that and invited me to come out on a rabbit hunt with her. And I was obviously going to do it. I'd never been on a rabbit hunt. That sounded awesome. Um, and so I, I ultimately did that. And that kind of sparked the beginning of what has been a long and wonderful relationship with Mary, um, both in, on a personal level, but she's done so much for Artemis. Um, I'm really excited about her being an ambassador now. I, interestingly enough, found out after I went and met her in person uh, that she grew up across the street from my husband. <laughs> for at least a few years um so small world but it is a small world awesome and with that we are going to take a quick break to hear from our partners proas believes women hunt hard and deserve the gear to support their hunting and outdoor passions what sets proas apart is our belief that women require performance outdoor gear for all of their hunting and field pursuits Their layering systems are quite technical, but philosophically simple. Optimal base layers, prime insulation layers, and durable shell layers to stop wind and water. Take pride in not being one of the guys. Howdy Artemis listeners. This is Aaron Kindle from NWF Outdoors. We know you love awesome conservation conversations. That's why we want to invite you to check out the NWF Outdoors podcast, where we dive deep into the issues, people, and places that showcase the best of the sporting conservation lifestyle. Guests include leaders, luminaries, and decision makers who define conservation and work tirelessly for fish and wildlife. 
Check it out wherever you get your podcasts or at nwfoutdoors.org. And we're back. And um, Morgan, would you like to start us off with another ambassador message for Ashley? I've got plenty of them. This was an Excellent. easy, an easy, easy task. How about we hear from Alyssa in Oklahoma? Getting to witness Ashley working as a female in the outdoor space has been such an honor. She's a woman of extreme intelligence, of dedication and hard work, of such high ethical standards, and maybe most importantly, of extreme kindness. I'm so grateful for all the help that Ashley gave to me as an Artemis ambassador, but I'm even more grateful for her friendship. Ashley, I'm so excited for all the things your future holds, but you will be greatly missed here at Artemis. Do you need a Kleenex? Uh, yeah. I... <laughs> Excellent. Bravo. We did it. Good work, Morgan. <laughs> well, the thing is, you've been, how long have you been with Artemis now, Ashley? It's two and a half years? Yeah, two and a half. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, so we're probably all in the same age, like 30s and 40s. So hopping around career-wise is not what it used to be. You know, it used to be if somebody hopped around, it was like they couldn't hold a job. And now I think it's much more um, uh, accepted that you have to move on or move out to move up or move around and, and creating kind of a, a, a kind of well-rounded career versus this, you know, 40-year career at the government, you know, at the, at, the, at, the, at the transportation department or something, you know, holding a shovel. So I think it's looked at differently. So my point is that two and a half years in the life of Artemis is like 10 years anywhere else. <laughs> it's That's true. A, it's such a small organization. It's had such an impact um, all over. I think that um, on one hand, it doesn't seem like a long time, but you, you did so much, condensed so much work with the organization because it was growing phenomenally just in your time um, in your two and a half years. Cause what it started what, four years before that. Yeah. I mean, technically I think it began, it was codified in 2017, but um, 2018 was the first year I think that Marsha was here and really started doing um, any kind of like in-person things in the West. So, so it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just gone phenomenal. And, and so, little amount of time um and speaking of marcia no hey ashley it's marcia uh there aren't enough words in my vocabulary to even begin to explain how awesome you are and how much i have appreciated having you in my life both personally and professionally uh, and how much artemis is a better program because you were a part of it um, your intelligence, your strengths, your kindness, your dry and somewhat unexpected sense of humor um, were a privilege from day one. And I think the truth is good times and bad, there's nobody I would rather have by my side. Thank you for all you've done for Artemis and good luck with this next chapter of your life. Talk to you soon. Bye. And for those that may not know, Marsha um, was Ashley's first boss with Artemis, and she was the the first program manager and was here for about four years and just left left, left last fall. So, 
Okay, that one that one did get tears. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Marsha. She's uh, she's a lot of things for me. She was one of the best, if not the best supervisors that I've ever had and taught me so much. And yeah, I'm, I can go on and on, but to hear those words from her means a lot. Not that she never, you know, like shared her thoughts about me when we worked together, but, um, yeah, that was, that was great. Y'all, y'all together, y'all have made a, a, certainly an impact. One that, that Carly is continuing. Yes. I feel so fortunate that I have this foundation i mean from both you and marcia ashley it would spend i mean the artemis program the brand what it means the authentic people that it brings to the table it is attributed to you and i think that's really special and so thanks thank you for leaving your the, your legacy with artemis um and allowing me to yeah continue it speaking of legacy I love how I'm turning this. Dang, we're so good at this. You're so good at this. this. I'm I'm working my way into it. This one takes a little finesse. Tell us about the adventures of uh, podcasting and running a national program with an infant crawling. Well, first of all, birthing one and then having an infant running around at your feet. Oh, my gosh. So I think there was a podcast that I recorded with Marsha and a guest. I don't remember who the guest was. And I don't remember if this was right before I had Charlie or soon after, but, um, she talked about giving birth to a child and like the maiden must die. Like the maiden in terms of the person who the mother was before. And I don't mean that in the way that like, you have to give up everything about yourself to have a kid. Cause that's not good or right. Um, but it is true, at least for me, that having a kid has made me into a different person. Um, mostly in a lot of like the best ways or has allowed me to shine lights on parts of myself that I think could be done better (laughs) and work towards that. Um, so yeah, having Charlie is just a pivotal moment in my life and obviously my biggest priority now and balancing, you know, when I had her, it was like the height of COVID And I was too scared to send her to a daycare. Um, And I mean, like, it's not, it may sound silly now, but like a lot of people were dying at that time and being a new mom and like already you're kind of like tuned into all the things that could potentially harm your baby and then just smack that on top. So um, I kept her home with me and took care of her and did my job for nine months, the first nine months of her life. Um, and looking back on it, I have no idea how I did that. I don't recommend it, um, to those out there who might be curious about doing something similar. It was, I mean, on the one hand, it was really joyful to be able to have her close to me all the time because I don't know how I would have coped with the alternative. Um, but there were a lot of appearances I'll say on the podcast um or like at in-person events when we started going to them uh everyone at the that was like such the most amazing thing about going to Artemis events with her is that I never felt from anyone else I imposed on myself this feelings occasionally but I never felt judgment from anyone else or like why did you bring that kid to this hunt or um you know things that I certainly would have felt in a traditional hunting setting, I guess I'll say. Um, 
with men, not because they might have felt that way, although they probably would have, but I'm rambling now. I think it it was a new thing for me to experience that kind of radical acceptance where, yeah, we're out here doing this and having kids is a part of life for a a lot of women. And so your kids here, like, great. (laughs) I think that was like a notable thing. I mean, I remember when you had Charlie and he didn't come to the first turkey camp. Maybe you came to the second one. Um, and she was just there. Don came to help, but she was there and she was she was happy to be a part of it. And you bringing her and exposing to the, her that to her that event, I think, was, um, you know, is, is an important piece. And she will look back on fondly. Um, I have a message here from Casey Edwards that Ashley has been an amazing mentor and leader for Artemis. I admire her so much for her bringing Charlie with her on every hunt and the fearlessness she brings to every event. Ashley will be greatly missed by all of us in the Artemis community. I know she will do great things in her next role. So to think that it felt good for you, I think is, is, is great, but I can only imagine the different folks, whether they have children or not, what, what that meant that you were willing to take that step um, and set an example for, like you said, we're here, we have kids, we're going to keep going. Yeah, you know, I, I do hope that I have served as some sort of inspiration or comfort to anybody out there who has a kid or maybe something else that is going to make their experience in the field a little bit different than it might have been otherwise, um, to just try it. I mean, I'm not saying that every mom should or every dad should always have a kid with them when they're out there hunting because it definitely changes things. Um, Expectations need to be adjusted in a big way um, and goals. And I was okay with doing that um, because for me, hunting has always really been about being outside, connecting with nature, like all the cheesy stuff that everybody talks about. Like that's what it is for me and and procuring food, of course. But so that was an easy, I would say that was a much easier adjustment for me than it would be slash has been for my husband, (laughs) because he's very much like, uh, how do I say this? He's very goal oriented when he goes into the woods or goes out on the water. Um, Coloring, you know, playing with cars or coloring or or looking at different leaves and noisily doesn't really help achieving the goal when you have a toddler with you. Yes. The the goal of, of harvesting, which is like his... Yeah. And and doing it the best that he can, like the most proficiently. And so, yeah, when you have a kid, like, okay, there's an experience that I'll carry with me forever. Um, this earlier this year, it was, when was it? Maybe in October or early November. Um, I went out deer hunting and I found out that I could put Charlie on my back and I sewed this like camouflage, quilt basically that I could wrap around her back there to keep her warm because otherwise we struggled with her toes and her fingers getting cold really quickly. Um, but when I put her in that blanket on my back, she would go to sleep for like an hour, an hour and a half. And, um, so that was my time to walk around and try to shoot a deer. Um, and so we were out there doing that one morning on this private property that thankfully was close to the house. That's key. Like, you cannot go wide ranging with a baby, at least not one like mine who doesn't like riding in the car. Um, so being able to go out for short bouts was really important. And, um, anyway, I was walking around and just like moving, trying to move really quietly, very slowly through the woods. And I saw a tail flick up ahead through the trees. And I realized that it was doe. And she was crossing this trail that we were walking on, but it it curved and like it it wasn't clear between her and I, but I could see her. 
and we were probably like 50 yards out and my comfortable shooting range this season was like mm, 25 yards, definitely not more than 30. Um, and so I was like, well, I gotta get closer to get a shot. So I kept walking and trying to go slowly and she saw me, but she couldn't see me well. And the wind was in our favor. So she started swishing her tail and blowing and stomping. Cause she had a fawn with her. Um, but I was able to get to within about 30 yards before she broke. I never had a clear shot. Um, but she blew like seven times I counted and Charlie was asleep, but the blowing woke her up. And for some time after that, she looked over my shoulder. I was like, there's a deer. She looked over my shoulder. I don't know if she was actually able to see the doe, but she could hear. And that was, um, a time when we were really asking her like, what noise does this animal make? And when we asked her what noise a deer makes after that day, she would go. (laughs) (laughs) And to me, that was just, I don't know. That was one of those moments that I, I'm really thankful for and obviously didn't get a deer didn't even take a shot but it was really awesome to to share that with her i think the time spent with the kids in the field like you say it's not you're still hunting you're just doing it differently and then you're creating different memories um you know you you wouldn't have remembered that in the same way if she went on your back yeah and one of the other things i wanted to say on this topic is that i had a lot of trepidation about bringing charlie hunting with me and a lot of, I don't know if I'd say anxiety, not for fear that anything terrible would happen to either of us, but just like, how am I going to do this? This is overwhelming. Like when you have a kid, it's like getting out of the house with a bag of all the accoutrements just to go to the store is like a kind of a daunting task. So to go out into the field for some period of time away from like a vehicle or any repository of many diapers, etc., was really intimidating. Um, but Becca Garris, we actually did an episode with her. Gosh, it's been maybe two years ago now. Um, she has an Instagram account and now she actually has two daughters. Um, and I've followed her since doing that interview with her. And she has been such an inspiration to me just watching her posts on social media and the way that she talks about hunting with her kids. And she really opened the door for me to think that it was possible and to try it. And to not be afraid to have different expectations or have it look different. Um, so hopefully I've been able to do that for somebody else. She was on, I thought that was such an impactful um, article. She was on the cover of Outdoor Life, I think, with <clears> her <throat> and her daughter on her backpack and her uh, tri- and her bow, which I thought was just, you know, what a what a statement um, for a woman with the, with a kid on her back to be out there in full camo ready to go. Yeah, she's pretty so. awesome. Do you remember talking at the retreat with um, JP McNair? Um, she was taking her young son duck hunting for the first time and talked about how it was just different. It was, you know, it took a little while to get out there and, you know, he, he wasn't as quiet as maybe he should have been. Um, but she, she took him out there and got, got, got him out, which is important. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And that reminds me of a time this winter when on that same private property that we had access to, my husband had gone out there and he had noticed that there were some ducks landing on one of the ponds. Everything was kind of frozen over, but that pond had some open water and he knew that there were ducks out there. And so one evening, it's winter, there's snow, it's cold, it's dark, um, almost dark, getting dark. We decided that we were going to go out and try to jump shoot these ducks. And so I had Charlie on my back and we walked, hiked up, like, I don't know how far away we parked. And there's a berm 
on the edge of the pond. And so we walked up and we were like staged up on the other side of it. And we peeked our heads over and we could see this small flock. I think they were a gadwall and maybe there was ringnecks there as well. And they were like, on, they were too far. They were on the other side of the pond. And so we crouched back down and like thinking about what to do. And this whole time, like trying to make sure, like trying to not have Charlie say something. Um, and she's got her earmuffs on, which normally makes her say something. I think she can't hear anybody. She's like, are you guys there? Um, and so my husband starts calling. He just starts like doing like a little feeding cackle and these ducks start moving. And I'm like, I come back down, like, keep doing it, keep doing it. They're coming this way. And I was just like praying this whole time that Charlie's going to stay quiet. And they came across the pond all the way to our side. And we did a countdown and stood up and shot as they, you know, they got up off the water as we stood up and we missed every damn duck in the bunch. They needed to come about 10 yards closer, but, um, it was so cool. And after that, for a long time, Charlie wanted to blow the duck call. And was <laughs> if you talked about ducks, she would pretend that she was blowing a call. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's just situations that are coming Start to our mind young. now. Start young. Yeah. Well, here's a message from JP, who is a duck hunter extraordinaire. Ashley, just want to tell you thank you for all you've done for Artemis and really females in general that want to enjoy hunting. I wish you and your family the best and hope to see you again soon down the road. Oh, right back at you, JP. She's <clears throat> she's awesome. She is really good. Well, um, I think we are, so we're slowly, we're almost coming to a close. Morgan, do we have any other messages from ambassadors that are, that you wanted to share? We do have a few more. I'll be happy oh, to share excellent. them. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. We or we can or we can cue Ashley up a little bit more for another intro story. I love it. It's brilliant. These stories, I think, are so important because, you know, that's what the Artemis podcast has been. And Ashley has done so many of them is, is getting people to tell their stories and, and um, women of the field. And the, and the stories are the same. I mean, it's like we're sitting around the campfire talking and, and it's so much fun to hear the different perspectives from women across the country. Um even though you were just in the Southeast, Ashley, you had connections with women all over, right? Yeah, that was one of the things that <clears throat> was great. Carly and I were just talking about this a minute ago, that just really by virtue of there only being two staff members for the Artemis program, when Marsha was here and since Carly's come on, I've had a hand in things beyond just the Southeast. And that's allowed me to make some great relationships with people that are in other parts of the country, too. Speaking of, here's one from New York. I'm getting really good at this. Megan Clay Postal, Artemis Ambassador for the state of New York. Just want to thank Ashley for always being there to answer questions and to explain things as far as events or legislation without judgment and in the simplest way possible to make it understandable. And thank you for being an inspiration to me and so many other women. All the way from New York. Man, yeah, that's awesome. I feel like, you know, ambassadors, it, it, I don't want to sound like all cheesy, but it really has been a privilege to work with. I mean, Morgan, you obviously have been an amazing ambassador during your tenure, but all these women that they're not getting paid to do this, like they're not really getting a thing from doing this they're doing it because they care about it because they care about wildlife they care about the community they care about 
bettering themselves in terms of hunting and conservation. And that from day one was an incredible experience. And I mean, still currently is something that I feel so fortunate to have been able to experience. I think the connections on conservation, man, I think there's a lot of us that maybe grew up hunting and, and understood kind of the basics, uh, that that's a part of it. But I, I loved how Artemis has uh, brought us together and, and had us focus a little bit more on that. Yeah, we're here to, you know, strategize on how to get a whitetail this year, year but how else can we impact um, the species? How, how else can we impact the the, um, the habitat? And, and I think collectively and individually in our communities. Um, Haley Rayner in Tennessee really felt like you had an impact on that, Ashley. She said that she brought so much to Artemis and she feels grateful for getting a chance to be a part of something this big. Your leadership, not only in conservation, but getting women out there to hunt in a man's world has given a lot of opportunities for those that don't have a big voice yet. Because of Ashley, I feel more confident not only in hunting, but in conservation. Thank you, Ashley, you're amazing. Oh, that's awesome. So those connections, I mean, and with, with your science ba- background, I think it wasn't just, hey, you know, don't throw trash in the road. It was like, hey, don't throw trash in the road because this is what happens. Yeah. I'm generalizing here. But I mean, like you were able to provide a real life um, kind of background on why why conservation is important um, from the science perspective. Yeah. And I will say it's very it was very refreshing for me to come into a space that was focused on sporting, hunting and angling. Um, but the people I was working with, the hunters, let's say, or, or the anglers, were really open to that kind of conversation. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with, or you know, leaned on the end of a tailgate with somebody who's a traditional hunter in America, you know, old, older white man. Um, and tried to tell them something and not that they're not, not that they're a monolith. Um, but oftentimes they already know, right? Like they, they, or they, or they're pretty sure at least on their property, they know how things work. And so you can kind of like try to nudge them in a direction of information, but it doesn't always take. And it was so wonderful to come into a space where I felt like everyone was really open and hungry for more information and to understand things beyond their current perspective or their current, um, limits of their, the information that they had. So that was really rewarding for me too. I think that's the magic of Artemis. Yeah. (laughs) To kind of summarize it right there. I think, I think you have. Ashley, out of curiosity, um, what is, I guess, what's one of your, yeah, conservation tidbits that, you would leave the Artemis program with, right? Of all of the things you've worked on and with all of your knowledge in the field, what, yeah, what resonates most with you? Oh, man. I would say there's two things. One, Carly, I know that you're on the same boat as me. Um, Fire. We need more fire, a lot more fire, a lot more frequently. Particularly in the Southeast, I think this is can expand even to other parts of the United States, but, um, the benefits that a well-executed prescribed fire can bring to wildlife are innumerable. Um, and I feel like at this point, I've talked about that enough on the podcast and we've had enough guests on that anybody who listens at all probably understands that or can see the logic there. 
Um, and the other one is probably CWD um, and really what people can do and what they should be doing to help slow the spread and understand it. And just, I don't know, it's, it's a tough one because it's, it's tired, right? Like it's, it's a worst case scenario for a disease that you're trying to hype and be like, Hey, we got to do something about this. Cause it's slow moving. Nobody's ever probably seen a deer that just fell over because it had CWD. I mean, that has happened once in Mississippi, the first deer they found. Um, but like, usually they just look kind of sick and die from something else. Nobody sees them. So it's really hard to get people motivated around CWD and all of the things that impact it. Um, but that is something that I would encourage everyone to try and do as much as they're able. Those are two yeah. great, great ones. Those are, those are great ones. So, and those are ones that you can't, I mean, there's, there's parts of both of that that you could do on your own. Um, but then so much of it takes a community. For sure. It does. To, to really make an impact, it needs, I mean, burning your little five acres is helpful, but to have a community that's that's doing that type of um, habitat management, community, a surrounding area, a county, large property owners, I mean, that's where some really significant impacts. Um, and same thing with CWD, it's one thing, and Ashley, I can hear you smiling as I say it, <laughs> if I don't, it's one thing if I don't put out bait, but if all my neighbors are still doing it, is the impact really there? So, how, you know, how do you, and I'm using that as an example on CWD, but, um, there is some education components of both of those that I think are really important. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the same with everything, right? Like burning CWD, whatever. I think the, another wonderful thing about this community is that everyone who's a part of it has roots in another community, you know, whether it be the, the dad and brothers that they grew up hunting with, or, you know, the farmer that they've gotten permission to hunt his land. Like there's conversations being had all the time around campfires, on tailgates, in, in line at the bank, if anybody still does that, um, you know, about all these things. And I think just normalizing some of it and getting a new way of talking about these issues into the mainstream conversations that are happening, I think is a big thing that you can do at the individual level that kind of reverberates um, at a larger scale. I agree. And your new role is going to do some of that. Yeah, I hope so. I think so. I think there'll be plenty of opportunity to kind of have some cross messaging. And, and that's the amazing thing. We have so many different organizations around the country that's working on ducks, deer, upland birds, turkeys, you know, and they all have the very premise, the same, the same goal. Um, just different different focuses when it comes to the different species, but um, at communication and education and conservation are part of all of them. Certainly. Okay. Well, we are yeah up against the wire. So, Morgan, did we have any other ambassadors that wanted to share their appreciation for Ashley? I have one more from Ashley Halsett in Ohio. Hi, Ashley. It's Ashlyn Halseth. I just wanted to say thank you so much for all of the hard work you've put into Artemis throughout the years. I personally am thankful for your teaching when it comes to advocating for wildlife in political spaces. Thank you so much for everything. I think that can, that can wrap it up. 
Well, Morgan, I was wondering if you wanted to do yours as well, since you've been a wonderful friend of Ashley's, um, an ambassador with her for your your timelines pretty much aligned with with how you know when you were at Artemis. Is that accurate? It is. It's because I stalked Ashley like before she even had the job. <laughs> it worked. It worked. Excellent. I like literally wore her down until she said, "Sure, you could be an ambassador. Just leave me alone." And little did she know the doors would then open and um, I would be calling her all the time. So I, I, <laughs> I didn't prepare anything because I don't have to say goodbye. You know, I've, I've, I'm so thankful um, that Ashley has, has come into my life via Artemis. Um, that's what I was looking for in Artemis was to grow my hunting circle. I, I wanted to meet more, more women and more people that I, that enjoy the things that I do. And I know that I have found that in Ashley um, and to see the impact that she has made um, in her short time with Artemis has been um, phenomenal. I, I, I cannot um, just understate how, um, how, how much she's done um, and, and how much her, her guidance and calming me down when I get overexcited and helping me think through a problem. It's, it's been wonderful. It's taught me a lot on how to, to be a leader, um, both in Artemis and um, in other items as well so i am very thankful i definitely echo that absolutely so ashley is uh, uh here's my last plug for anything any future um professional opportunities in the conservation space um ashley is your gal whoever is listening to this be it 10 years from now or 20 years from now if you're still doing it ashley um yeah you've been an extraordinary person to work with and I feel absolutely grateful, unbelievably grateful to have had your guidance and coaching over the last four months. So thank you. And if I would like to open it up and see if either of you have any last comments. And then I would also ask Ashley to do the honors and close us out for her final time. Oh my gosh. Okay. Right back at both of you. And I, I don't have any, any final things. Morgan, do you? Nah, I think I'm good. Okay. That's it for this week's podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm I'm fumbling this, you guys. I, <laughs> I didn't pull the script up. Um, until next time, be bold, stay curious, and get outside. <laughs> Great job. The end.